Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast. It's our 71st episode. This month, I'm again joined by Andy, our tech guy at GPS Training. So welcome, Andy, to the June edition of the GPS Training Podcast. Hello, everyone. June's going to be an interesting month for you, isn't it? It will be, yes. Because what have you got coming up in less than three weeks, is it? It'll be, depending when this podcast goes out, tomorrow. two weeks on Saturday then. Two weeks Montaigne on Saturday. Montaigne Spine Challenger Race event. And how's the training been going? Pretty good. Um, testing all the equipment, testing all the clothing, more and more. Distances have been built up now. I'm up to the 60 miles and I don't think I'll be going much past that until the actual event are we too far away to look off the long-term weather forecast at this stage or not no too far, too far. <laughs> I've, thought, I've got every, i've got to carry everything anyway so all the clothing for whether it's going to be hot mm-hmm. snowing which you could do in june on the I'm deadlines just, i'm saying that because what a wet week it's been it's been raining every week and i kind of thought uh, yeah it's been chipping it down all week it is fingers crossed it dries up and we get some good weather for you yeah so i'll uh, obviously probably on the next podcast or maybe on newsletters you can share some stuff and if anyone wants to dot watch i'll have me um they'll put a tracker on you so people can i'll be using my garmin as well but you can track using the tracker that the event uh, organizers give you for the montane don't worry andy that will be in the newsletter all the listeners will be tracking you, <laughs> under pressure. you sending you <laughs> sending you messages so yeah good luck for that when it comes and uh yeah good luck for your last two and a bit weeks of training so what do we have in this month's gps training podcast we have the question when are watches best suited our personal experience of using both the epics and phoenix 7 we're going to compare this to using a handheld gps device then we're going to discuss transferring your planned activity, your GPS using the Connect app, to compatible GPS units. And then following a course. So people don't know, one of the software updates that have just come out, we can now follow courses on the handheld units as well as routes and tracks. And then finally, we have Andy's top tips. So without further ado, let's get on with this month's GPS training podcast. So the first thing is, when a watch is best suited compared to a GPS unit, our personal experience. This discussion came out um, after experience um, I had last week, so I just had a quick chat with Andy. There's actually, also today uh, at 11.45 on YouTube, there's a video going up, which is our latest walk and talk. So my dear wife and myself, we did a walk in the Cheviot Hills using the Epix Gen 2, which uh, people don't know is one of the Garmin watches. And what we tried to do was go out into the Cheviot Hills, planning a route on our free ordnance survey route planning software, and then heading off. Now, if anybody's walking the Cheviot Hills, the footpaths aren't great underfoot. It's sometimes quite hard to navigate. Um, and we thought that, oh, we can navigate solely with a watch, without an ordnance survey map, without a GPS unit. So we thought, I wonder if this has happened. So I don't want to ruin the story, but the conclusion was we kind of struggled to do it. So I had this bit of a chat with Andy and said about, okay, this is this is what happened. <laughs> what what could we have done differently? Um, and the conversation kind of started. So have you actually tried doing this, Andy, or not? Or do you always use your watch alongside yeah. a map? Or? I use my watch quite a bit for navigation, and I find it good. But I think this is what came about in our discussion. I've been using it on areas where paths are more clearly marked long distance trails doesn't mean i know where 
I'm going, you can see why you're using the watch and if you know where you're going, I am recording lots of other information and stats, but I, I go to areas where I've not been on these long distance trails before and it's nice just to have an idea of what's coming up, remind me about turns and things, uh, use it to navigate with, but it's not quite as complicated as going right out in the hills where paths haven't been walked for months there. Anyone, as John's mentioned, the Cheviot Hills in Northumberland, it's not as well walked as other areas of the country so you can be out there just looking at a field where there should be a path but markers are maybe down and you just can't see any evidence of where anyone's walked and that's exactly the experience we got so i had actually been out a month ago for another walking tour we did that 33 miles along st cuthbert's way with a phoenix 7 and i never had to look at a map i never had to look at my gps unit because i was following a waymark trail the watch gave me the reassurance i could see where i was i had all my stats of how far it was to the end and how far i walked and i never thought i never at any point thought i need to look where i am on the map um i kind of knew the route kind of in some way anyway but I, I never had any yeah there was no question to ever do it but once we planned a, a circular walk on normal footpaths that there's no footpath underfoot on open moorland i kind of struggled i missed to know where the stell was i missed to know where the field boundary was i missed i missed all that information on that top of active mapping and um yeah I don't know. That that was my. I think I, you know. I didn't really answer your question. I suppose because I haven't. I, I normally have maps with this, to be honest, but I haven't needed to use the maps in conjunction with the watch where I've been. But I think if if I was just using the watch, I think to take the map would. I mean, we tend to recommend taking a map anyway, regardless. So you've always got his backup, and I think the watch would work well then because it's giving you a guide. And yes, you haven't got that detailed map, which is what you were missing. On the screen of the watch but as we know the watch can still give you um or for customers who don't know on the phoenix and epics watches you, with the press of a button you can get a grid reference off the watch so if you understand os maps and how grid references work if you're not sure about what you're seeing on the watch and you do need that bigger picture of a map it's not that you need to have a handheld gps as well if you've only got the watch just get the grid reference up get your paper map out cross refer it and then look at that bigger picture so it, i think using it with the paper map for those more um adventurous maybe not off the beaten track mm -hmm. areas where paths on very well marked would still work very well with the watch i think you're 100 percent right there that was my conclusion you're 100 percent right that actually going off 95% of the time, you'll get away with just your watch. But that 5% of the time where you struggle to see where your footpath is, just in case getting your ordinary survey map, your £8.99 ordinary yeah. survey map out, and then you can relate to it. And as you say, you can find the grid reference, see where you are, see where you potentially you need yeah. to be going for, and a fantastic combination, really, isn't it? I mean, some customers will be planning on apps that they use, third-party apps, where they may have the ability to print off a map and a route anyway off that planning software for free. Even using our free OS planner, I know it's not got a built-in designated printing function because it's free, but you could use this various tools on computers that people use, like the snipping tool. And You're going to get me told off page. my ordnance survey license. Oh, no, here, I can't do that. <laughs> when you've bought an app that has the license to print, you can we, print off. You do not have a license to print off from our OS. <laughs> Buying a map. I mean, the thing is, yeah. we all love maps ourselves. We sell maps in the shop, as you know. So I think taking a map with you um, and using it with the watch there's times you're going to go with a watch where you know it's going to be reasonably well marked you're not out in the that mode 
adventurous sort of high um, uplands where paths aren't well marked and you've planned the route on the watch it works really well but i think for backup if you're really going up in the high hills and out off off the beaten track where it's not as well walked take the map with you and it works well together and i think the nice thing there is you're going to complement your watch with a one to twenty five thousand map aren't you so actually yeah. there's one pound difference between a one to fifty thousand, one twenty-five thousand. Where in a handheld world, if you've got a one twenty-five thousand map and a handheld, it is actually hundreds of pounds more than a one to fifty thousand. Yeah. Where actually, if you've got your watch, you're going to take your one twenty-five thousand map with you. It's costing you eight hundred ninety-nine, nine ninety-nine, wherever it is. It's irrelevant in the whole scheme of things. And actually, therefore, you've got your watch. That is your day-to-day navigation. Yeah. You've got your your map as that back up yeah. and to refer to it. And we've got the most detailed map, which has got everything on there. I, I think the other thing, you know, don't discount the watch i mean we're not being negative against how the watches work at all with regard to the navigation and what they're showing you because you've got to remember the other advantage then of having the watch and yes you may have the map for that bigger view the watch is going to show you things like distance to the end of your route because you've put on a routed estimated time of arrival walking pace all those fitness stats things that help though if you're challenging yourself if you're looking at the weather and thinking we need to get on a bit faster um, because of the pace we're doing we can see the distance to the end so you've still got all that data on the watch it's still giving you the grid reference we've mentioned and the watch is still recording where you walk if you did need to do that track back back to the start that's going to work really well because you've then got that little breadcrumb trail we're mainly talking about not seeing that bigger picture of a detailed map and where it's nice to see that bigger picture and get the map out exactly right and if you're on well-trod footpaths if you're on footpaths that are there on the ground if you're on long distance trails which are there on the ground it's no problem it's just when you get on those open uplands where actually there's nothing do you know what i mean you are in open access areas you're planning across open access areas i think that's really where the potential comes in and i must just hope i know we're going to move on to this with the next story but actually the navigation experience on a watch is quite different is it because actually it vibrates when we're off course doesn't it so it's 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 if you're doing a long distance race actually let's go back to your spine challenge race when you're doing the spine challenge race a watch is a is a fantastic navigation companion is it because you're gonna i know where i'm going i'm following a long distance trail but actually the watch vibrates i'm off course i need to li- li- I, tell you, I mean the other thing i love on the watches which um we've not really had on the handhelds i mean on the handhelds we are starting to get that off course sort of coming in a little bit but it's the actual on the watch you get the little buzz with the if you've used the garmin connect which we're going to talk about with the handhelds but with the watches if you use garmin connect to send your gpx file to the watch you actually get that little arrow saying in 60 foot there's a right hand turn i mean it may be just a very sharp bend in the path but you're getting those alerts so it does you know the watch navigation experience is good you just got to remember you're not seeing that big os map when you've got lots of paths crisscrossing and close to each other that sort of situation i think it's dead on right so just let just a little bit about thoughts on 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 that i think to finish off andy epics or phoenix Oh, big question. If people don't know, Andy, tell them the difference between an Epic. I mean, big debate always going on. Yeah, Phoenix so and Epics. we loaded a, I'm sure John will put a link onto the podcast uh, notes. We loaded a video just, it was probably a couple of weeks ago, where I was just comparing really what is the main thing we look at when we compare the new Epic's watch against the Phoenix. Because to be honest, I'm not going to go into all the features, but in a nutshell, they all basically do the same thing with regards to the smart features, the fitness features, and the navigational features. The big difference is screen and battery. So the Epix 2 is the one that has the AMOLED. So that's the where you've got the LED lights emitting the light from behind the screen. Very bright, vibrant, lovely colours. 
AMOLED watch. Those of you who may have other makes of watch that are out there, smart watches that use the AMOLED screens, we know how lovely those screens look. When you're inside, they're great. Um, on the Garmin point of view, when you're looking at, you'll see on the video when you're looking at the topoactive maps, you're looking at data boxes, everything's so sharp and clear. But normally we look at the downside on battery. A lot of you who will have watches out there that you haven't to charge every day. We're very impressed with the Epics that you, you, you do go days and days without charging it. But the difference is the Phoenix range doesn't have the AMOLED screen. So it's not as bright a screen. It's a screen that really needs to be viewed outside. It's a trans-reflective screen, so it needs the sunlight on it to bring it to life. But it's an outdoor watch, so it's not going to have those sharp, vibrant colours that we get when we're looking at it inside. But the battery life then is phenomenal. So that's the big difference for me. So when you ask me the question, what of what is my favourite? Mine is still the Phoenix 7X that I've got. But going back to doing the Montaigne Spine Challenger... Mm. 60 hours i can get over 70 hours of gps recording mm -hmm. with it whereas the epics i'm dropping down still an impressive figure um with gps only you're potentially getting you know sort of 40 hours i'm still it's, quite impressed by that actually because i know you got the figures there in front of you phoenix 7 let's compare it to the same phoenix 7 and and then the epics when when you're navigating the gps what's the battery life on the epics compared to the yeah phoenix so i'm 7? not the phoenix 7x is costs more and yeah, it's a bigger it's a watch bigger so, so to be fair to be john's right to be fair we'll yeah, compare like, it with the, like, yeah you know. so the phoenix 7 is like the same size so on the phoenix 7 um you're getting 18 days smartwatch 16 days on the epics too so there's you know 16 to 18 days not a lot of difference gps only so this is where you haven't got all the satellites on you're getting 57 hours on the Phoenix 7 and 42 hours on the Epics. If we went to the next one up, which is like the all satellites where it locks onto more than one set of satellites, it's 40 hours on the Phoenix 7 and 32 on the Epics 2. That's the figure I tend to look at. It's using the middle range of satellites yeah. where you're picking up um, potentially two, uh, two or three lots of satellites rather than the whole multiband, but still a great signal. And I don't know, the Epics to get... To get 32 hours, you know, that's going out. If you were going doing 10-hour walks, it's like three days, yeah. potentially four days at a push, you know. And that's the thing. Yeah. I, I thought that when I've been wearing the Epics for a number of months now is actually, as a navigational tool, the battery life doesn't concern me. So actually, I'm going to charge it up a couple of days before I go out or the day before I go out. I go out and I know I've got my 30 hours of battery life. Absolutely fantastic. I'm not going to walk 30 hours unless I'm doing a big event. But it's that, you know, six or seven days, you know, like, you know, it's funny, I sat here just before the podcast came out and my watch vibrated and went, charge it. It's an epics, isn't it? 23 hours of battery life. Do you know, when I had a Phoenix, I never really saw that, do you know, because the battery life was so much longer. But it's, but it's, it, but the, as you rightly say, the, the benefit is that brighter screen. Is you've, you've got to look at what you're doing and it is going to be personal choice. But I mean, I, I don't tend to listen to music a lot when I'm out walking. I like to hear the noise and the countryside and that, but, Training for the Montaigne, I did, I've been doing some quite long runs and walks, some of them through the night as well. So sometimes having a bit of music, not all the time. And I looked at the figures with the Phoenix 7 with music and it was talking about, I mean, I know this is my 7X, so yes, it is the one with the bigger battery. But with music, I'll just find the figure. 
had a figure with all satellites at 16 hours. But when I went out the other day and I had music playing for four, I think it was three or four hours non-stop, and I looked at the percentage I'd dropped, I worked out that figure was more likely to be 20, 25 hours. So it's just, that isn't everyone's cup of tea listening to music. That wasn't my main reason, but it was just looking at it and thinking, wait there, I've just had music on for hours and hours, recorded a track, um, navigated a route for three or four hours and I've still got, you know, the batteries mm. went down eight on 8% or something. That's one positive thing with the Phoenixes and the Epics as well is I think Garmin have been quite conservative with their battery levels, haven't yeah, they? I, I think, think the they, figures are very genuine. Because it's funny, you were saying 18 days with the Phoenix 7. Now, when I had my Phoenix 7, there was, I would say it was nearer 21 days. When it was yeah. fully charged, it said 21 days in it. And then if I got solar on it, it actually went up even more. So it's funny that you say 18 days off the spec sheet, which is what Garmin gives us. Mine was charging 21 days, 100%. When it, on one of my longer training runs, I did the coast, the coastal path in Northumberland, which some of you might know. Um, I didn't quite do all of it, but I did 55 miles, roughly 20 hours walking. I used the watch quite a bit for the navigation then, so the screen was on quite a bit. At the time, I had it set at the all satellites, multibands was the full satellites locking on. Recording a track, navigating a route, no music, I must admit, on that trip. I didn't really w- think too much about the battery. I have a feeling after that trip, I don't even think it was fully charged before I did it, it was over 50% still. Uh-huh. And then I got to the end of the week and I'd done a few runs in the week, fair enough, not long runs. And I was looking at the end of the week thinking, but I've only dropped another few percent. Mm-hmm. I'm still like just sitting around about 50% after doing a 20-hour event, then doing some runs during the week. So mm-hmm. that's the big thing. But... I go back to the Epics, I don't know, looking on the market, I do look at other watches and what's out there, and there's so many, we know there's all sorts of smart watches and other makes linked to the phones that you might buy. Most of them seem to have these AMOLED screens, and most of the friends and family I talk to have that type of watch. If they're using it for recording activities, they're charging it, if not every day, every couple of days. Yeah. So I think Garmin to have a watch with that lovely AMOLED screen and not having to charge it every every couple well, of I'm days. I'm not the name watch, but we used to stock another watch, which was one or two days battery life with that. Uh, do you remember all that watch? And I actually, remember that one, yeah. yeah and, and actually, the screen quality on the Garmin is by far superior with a you know, seven-day smartwatch, uh, six or seven days. So you kind of sit there going, actually... It is performing very, very well, really. Yeah. So I, I think if you look at that video, if you get a chance to watch that video, you're going to look and think, well, I do love those vibrant, bright colours. I'm not doing ultra, I'm not doing events where I need it, you know, 60, 70 hours, 80 hours. Bear in mind, if you were doing that type of event, there's nothing to stop you at a checkpoint, plugging in a power source, you know, the watch is charged so quick. But if you're not doing that sort of event, and you, but you're just going out on long day walks and hikes and things, the Epics too is brilliant. Mm-hmm there's always going to be that debate of you know one person prefers one or the other i don't think there's a right or wrong it's really just looking at screen over battery i think as simple as that Great. so we kind of moved on there so we originally started no originally started discussing about the uh, navigation experience and whether we could navigate with just a watch and then we rightly moved to the debate on to the the two watch the garmin phoenix 77x and also the epics so to find out more and to watch the walk and talk we just referred to please go to our website which is gpstraining.co.uk and on the homepage halfway down you'll see um, a link to walk and talk let me take you on a walk with a gps unit i know it's a gps watch but it's all under that gps unit and you, you see just below the instruction at the top there's some quick links down to the various products there's various watches and gps units get yourself a cup of coffee because they're not short videos they're 20 to 30 minutes i think there's one actually 45 minutes in them and you can sit down and um, yeah i'll take you on a walk with the products we've just been discussing 
The next thing on this month's GPS training podcast is transferring your planned activity to your GPS unit using the Connect app to compatible GPS units and then following a course. So this is moving, we discussed last last month about transferring it to a watch using the Connect Atio online we did. So yeah. this is more GPS unit uh, compatible. So um, traditionally, Andy, we've planned with Garmin based campaign. So traditionally, how we plan walks with, uh, with, with any GPS yeah. unit. So, so all the handheld units we've normally, the, the handheld units that come with mapping, um, traditionally customers tend to use Garmin's free base camp planning software. Advantage being if you've bought a unit with a map card, one to 50 or one to 25K map card, you don't need internet access once you've got that software on your computer. So you could be somewhere with no internet. You open up Garmin's planning software with your GPS plugged in with a USB cable. You're planning a route using the maps that are loaded on your GPS device. So as soon as you unplug your GPS device, the maps are gone plug the device in the maps are there but you don't need internet to use it that was mm. one of the advantages but you need a computer usb cable to your gps and when we're creating either a route or a track aren't we yeah so um a route something you pre-plan where you just click a point to a point to a point that's the gom in, in garmin's world that was their terminology a route something you pre-planned where you're clicking point to point a track is normally something you've recorded in your gps device even on base cam software you did have the tool where you could use the mouse and draw around footpaths and, and have it saved as a track to send to your unit and that's the way we've done it for many many years but now we have a new generation of gps units which we can wirelessly transfer via the connect app first of all what are those gps units which gps units are compatible yeah then? so just so we don't get any confusion here there's quite a few units out there that work with the connect app but a lot of the slightly older units um they're actually just when you record something they're just syncing what you've recorded. They don't do it. I suppose they don't do a two-way communication. You can't send stuff from the app. So the new units that had a software update, I think it was the latter end of last year, to be honest, it's the GPS Map 66 series. So anything that's got GPS Map 66, whether it's the S, the I, the SR, within that mould of units, we've got the 86 units as well, which is more the marine version, but they work in the same way and the Montana 700 and 750s, so any of the range of Montana 700 and 750s. So they've got a two-way sync with Garmin Connect. You can see in this app on your smart device activities you've done, but as John's mentioned at the start of this piece on the podcast, it's about sending something from Garmin Connect to those units. So if people don't know, Garmin Connect is an app we can put on a iPad, mobile phone, Android, Android. and I, Apple, can't we, as well? Yeah, so any sort of Apple device. I mean, you just search in your app store to see if you've got the the latest firmware on your device to make sure it's compatible. Yeah, I know I, I found a really old iPad at home that was from seven, eight years ago. It wasn't compatible now with the Connect app, but it, normally if you've got a reasonably up-to-date iPad, iPhone, Android phone, you'll be at the search in the app store for Garmin Connect and it's going to show you if it's compatible with your device mm-hmm. to download it. So what we can do then is, what um, if, you've, if you want to utilize this, we could plan on the free route planning software, so our free route planning software, because we need known and survey map, because if you want to, um, and then we need to export a GPX file, and then via the Connect app, we can transfer it onto our yeah. GPS. I mean, in a nutshell, on the videos, we'll mention where the videos are at the end of this section. We've done some videos showing you how, it, I mean, it could be other apps that you've got yourself, as long as you know on whatever app you're using, um, on your mobile device to plan your your route. We'll call it a route in this stage, so where you're clicking a point to a point. As long as you know on that app how you download it to your mobile device as a GPX file, 
what we're really just using the Garmin Connect app for is to open up that GPX file. We sort of rename it because when you open it up, it just gives it the date and time. Uh, for some strange reason. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you're basically using the app as just a an intermediary piece of software to send your device without having to, where's my USB cable, where's my computer? Because a lot of people are using these apps to plan routes on third-party apps on, on a mobile device rather than a computer. Um, so it just makes it so much easier. Now, I know Garmin, a few customers have asked me on courses, but Garmin have got this app called the Explore app. Does, not that, does that not do the same? Now, the Explore app, we've looked at, it doesn't have OS maps. So for this country, if you wanted to plan on an OS map, we're talking more here for your off-road, mountain biking, hiking, trail riding, etc. You want an OS map. So it doesn't have OS maps. In the syncing of it, we found a bit, I don't know, is the technical term a bit mm. flaky? It, it seems to take so long where if you're using this Garmin Connect app, simply just to send a plan gpx file to the watch it just goes you know i say instantly it's like seconds isn't it it's phenomenal rick so you see it on the screen so you send it to your connect app and then literally you press three white blood blue dot stop line to send to device this is which device do you want to send it to because we've got watches and units yeah. things you say send it to my gps unit and as you say it's on there isn't it i mean another thing just to think about with this app i have friends who luckily do some planning as well since i've taught them how to do it and they'll say i've planned the route andy that we're going to walk this weekend and i'll just say oh just email it to us in the past i would email it to us i'd get it on my computer open it in base cam software usb cable etc now all i do on my phone now this is on an, a slightly different on an iphone we do show it on the videos but on my android phone now open up the email i hold down on the gpx file they've sent me downloads on my android phone and then in my downloads i just hold down on it and say open with garmin connect give it a name, tap on it, send to device, and send it to both my watch, and then I send it to my handheld, which is a GPS map 86i, and I don't have to even dig the computer out or the USB cable. Mm -hmm. But when it sends it, it turns into a course, doesn't it? That's the key thing we need to be aware of. So when you look for it on your unit, even if it was a route or a track, when it's on your unit, it's now a course, isn't it's just it? A so customers out there with handhelds, we're just going to confuse you a bit now because historically when you had a Garmin watch, and actually those of you might have cycle units, Garmin cycle units, it's the same terminology they use. However, the GPX file has been done. This is the format um, we use in the GPS world for the, the name of the file that you're, you're planning on a map. When you plan it on a map and click, click, click and download it, it's called the GPX file. So we mentioned routes are something you normally click and plan. Track is often something you've recorded in your unit. With the Garmin Connect app, doesn't matter what format it was, whether it was a route, a track, how it was done, when it's transferred to the same as it did with the watches and cycle units, when it goes to the GPS device, it's now named a, it's just a new bit of terminology called a course. How does it differ from a route or a track? Interestingly, when I'm navigating it, I think it's more like a track, to be honest, but let's not worry let's not worry too much about what it is it's going to be something for you to follow in the same way you're used to with routes and tracks it's just the fact as john's mentioned you start looking for it oh it's not in my routes folder it's not in my tracks folder ah i sent it with garmin connect it's now in a new folder called courses is this going to be Andy? because one of the most common questions you get on the tech line is i've sent my gpx file to my gps and it's no longer on there and you go okay is it a route or track i don't know so you go press find select routes it's not there yeah. Press find select track now you've got the third one is just find and select courses <laughs> now interestingly on what i've discovered on the gps map 66 and 86 series once you send a 
um, you've done the software update at the end of last year, so if you haven't, you know, updated your unit using Garmin Express. Um, you'll then find a new menu appear called Courses in the main menu. But interestingly, on the Montana 700s and 750 series, I'm finding that menu doesn't automatically appear. <clears throat> so I'm giving you an early top tip here for Montana 700, 750 users. If you go to the main menu touching your house symbol and you see all the icons on the main menu, at the bottom of the screen, there's a one that says Add Page. And if you go on Add Page and search in applications, you'll then see Courses as an option and just add it. Um, so that's a tip there. I don't know why it doesn't automatically add to the Montana. If you don't see the option to add courses after doing the ad page and applications, it's maybe because you haven't updated the software in your Montana yet. But 6686 is you don't need to do that. Brilliant. And as you rightly say, when you navigate a course, it's a very similar navigation experience to the track. So a route, we get an audible beat every time we hit a waypoint. With a track, it's a silent navigation unless we go off track. Yeah. And the course is exactly the same. Silent navigation unless you veer off it or and then you get a vibration or a a, a beat yeah. say you're so off course we mentioned earlier in the podcast about the watchers doing this off course alarm garmin are trying to bring into the handhelds some of these new um, i was going to say they're not new features features that we had in the watches so now if you've sent something to the watch using the garmin connect and it's now a course you will notice when you go off course if you as in just move away from the pink line you're following you will get an alert on the unit now at the minute um, a lot of people with the handhelds who aren't used to this have asked about adjusting the sensitivity. You can't, unfortunately. Garmin are aware that I think they did have it a little bit too sensitive in the early days, but there's been some software updates again that seem to have improved that. So just bear that in mind as I well. I know this too, but I've, I've walked quite a bit with tracks since the software's update come out and also courses. And I think actually it's set at a right, it'd be nice if we could be able to change it, but it's set and not a too bad a distance, really. And again, it's not going off when you walk five meters from yeah. it, you are 50 meters from where you yeah. need to. I think it was initially, but they've done some software updates. And to be honest, in the watches, apart from I seem to remember in the very early watches, the Phoenix might have been the Phoenix twos or threes, you could adjust it, but the Phoenix five, six, sevens, you can't adjust that off course. You can turn it off so it's not on, but you can't adjust it. I think that's maybe what people are looking for in the handles. You can't turn it off. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what hopefully it has been mentioned to Garmin in future updates. You'll have the option to say, I don't want the off course mm -hmm. alert. And you and hopefully don't know, but you may be able to turn it off. Very good. And I think what we've discussed is, I think, because it's quite a big change with these following courses, the way we can get it onto the compatible GPS devices. This is something we're going to bring into our two-day course. So we discussed this going forward. It might not be in the next month or two, but we're going to bring this into it because I think it's quite a big change. It's going in the right direction. So we're, on our day one of our two-day Garmin course, we're going to do planning on our free route planning software, taking you through how you transfer that via the Connect app or to your Connect app wirelessly over onto your GPS device. And it's something we're gonna bring into going forward into the course again. Courses have been quite similar for a number of years, but I think it's a big enough change in the software world to incorporate into it, isn't it really, Andy? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, some customers are familiar with the Connect app from older handhelds, you know, like, so the Oregon 700s, I think it was even the Touch 35. We've got the 65s, but they'll only sync where you've been. I think it's bringing in this new, being able to send the data from the Connect app. And it, like, you know, it's so much easier than the Explore app, and it's just a dead quick way to mm -hmm. get get those GPX files onto your unit without needing a computer. Very good. Brilliant. So, again, we're going to cover these in our two-day courses. So if you can join Andy and myself in one of our two-day courses around the country, please do. We do them in the South Downs, the New Forest, Northamptonshire, Peak District, 
Lake District, Northumberland, and the Scottish border. We've missed, so we, one, we've missed one. Which one have we missed out then? Gloucester. Gloucester. <gasps> Sorry, new, Gloucester. New, new location. And we also do, um, we've got one early summer, I think, end of July in Gloucestershire as we well. We do, yes. There you are, Gloucester. I actually, Sorry, tell, Gloucester. I just actually spoke to a customer who's booked on that course, actually, and just literally <laughs> before we did the podcast. So please apologise, but Gloucestershire is for another right course location. I say that because a lot of people do come and say, oh, you're from the northeast of England. You only do courses up there. We don't. We travel the length and breadth up the country Andy and myself delivering these courses so you can join us it's very much appreciated so if you find out more about the GPS training courses please go to our website which is gpstraining.co.uk click on GPS training courses on the top menu bar and then Garmin classroom based courses the next thing on this month's GPS training podcast is Andy's top tips so Andy, we have a unit and a watch top tip. So you've started off with a Montana 700 series, haven't you? Is this because it's been raining your week within a rainy rain? Because <laughs> it's been non-stop rain here. It's May, well, we're nearly into, well, sorry, this will be going out in June, of course. Um, chucking down with rain during May. I, be, I did a course um, in the Lake District a couple of weeks ago. We had some lovely sunshine as well, but on one of the days it was chucking it down, you know, really heavy rain, and one of the customers had a Montana 700 unit, and he was asking me about, you know, touchscreen when it gets wet, what to do. And I'd, I'd sort of forget about this feature. On the Montana 700s, it's hidden away a little bit. There's a setting in the unit to do with the touch sensitivity of the screen, and it's simply called rain setting. So that's, I'm going to sort of, it's a double tip for the Montana touchscreen if you're using it in the rain. So the first thing, if it is raining, if you go to your home screen, the little house symbol, bottom left, and you go into setup, there's actually a menu called accessibility. I wouldn't have thought to look here for a setting to do with rain. In accessibility, the very top option says touch sensitivity. It's normally set as normal. If you touch on there, one of the options is rain, and it helps the device ignore false touchscreen input in rainy weather. So it sort of desensitizes it a little bit. So you just remember to put it back to normal when it's not raining. So that's the first thing with the Montana. The other tip is with any touchscreen unit, carry a dry cloth in your bag, in your pocket, and then if you are stopping, you know, if it is starting to rain heavy and the screen gets wet, what you can do is, as well as what I've mentioned, on your Montana 700, if you just tap the power button once, once you've got it on a screen that you want to leave it on, tap the power button once, you'll see a little padlock icon, and when you touch on the padlock icon, that locks the screen, stops movement from very heavy rain, and then, of course, when you stop, if the screen's locked, you can get your cloth out and wipe it, so it's dry. It makes it respond better if you've got a dry screen. And then you simply tap the power button once. Um, don't hold it in to turn it off. Just one tap and it's unlocked. And then, of course, you've just wiped the screen with it locked. And then you can move around and look at the screen. Brilliant. So that's me Montana 700 rainy weather tip. And also any other touchscreen units as well. Yeah, yeah any of the touch. I mean, you know, we've got, I think, on the even the Oregon 700s, you could press the on-off button and there was a padlock to lock it and then wipe it. Sat map also from the power button. There's a padlock symbol and the sat map active 20. You can lock that yep. as well uh, before you wipe it. Brilliant. Then so the Phoenix 7 watch and Epic, so exactly the same, is locking this touchscreen. Yeah, it? it wasn't necessarily due to wet weather, but um, the, the nice thing is the features with both the new Phoenix 7 range and Epic's two watches is they've got touchscreen. Just a real quick tip. Some of you might have seen this and discovered it, but 
normally when you're recording an activity as default the touchscreen is turned off to stop accidental touches if you suddenly stop and think oh i just want to use the touchscreen to move around on the map so simple you've got a button at the top right which is the start stop button and you've got a button at the bottom left which is the down button you get your two um, finger and thumb i normally use and just press those two buttons in together and on the screen it actually says touchscreen off or touchscreen on depending on what you've done so you can unlock the screen dead quick move around on it and then if you're doing an activity you think i'd rather lock the screen you just hold the start and um, the start button in and the down button in together for a second again until you see touchscreen off dead easy i think as you said i think the key thing there is on the map page is that the map page gives you a lot more flexibility because it is quite small the screen on the watch compared to handheld unit if you unlock it you can drag that map around can't you i find it more if i'm if i've got a route loaded or so we should say a course it's a course when it's on the watch and you've got that pink line and you just want to have a little look ahead it, using the buttons on the older phoenixes was it, it was workable but you had to hold certain buttons in to move it around so the nice thing is now if you're recording an activity you've got a course on your watch you're on the map screen you think actually i just want to move it quickly with my finger to look ahead just hold that start stop and down button for a couple of seconds till it says touch screen on move the map around look further ahead at what's coming up on your route hit the back button to put the map back to where you are and then if you want to lock the screen again you just hold the start stop and the down button for a couple of seconds again and when you've got says, the touch screen as well you have the little plus and minus down the bottom so a, 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 directly um, across from the buttons you've got the little plus and minus yeah so when you put the touch screen on on the map you can then if you tap on the map you see a little plus and minus you can still to be honest i still tend to find i use the buttons yeah. for the plus and minus it does i don't to me it was the moving around that yeah. was awkward and i think just being able to move the touch screen around mm -hmm. and then just lock it again so it's just a dead quick way of unlocking or locking. Well, I was thinking so you often can drag it to somewhere, then like tap to zoom in if you want to look at what you're heading towards, oh, yeah, that kind yeah, of thing. So yeah. you got lots of flexibility with that touch screen. As you say, it's so easy to lock on and off. It's a really good feature, isn't it? Yeah. To find out more top tips, please do sign up to the GPS Training Online Resources Pack full of video top tips. Go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk, and click on Online Resource on the top menu bar. <laughs> And finally, many thanks for listening to this month's GPS training podcast. If there's any subject you would like us to cover in future episodes, please do get in touch and please do give us a call, especially if you're thinking about buying a new GPS unit. Please take a look at both our physical GPS training courses and also our online Zoom training courses, which Andy is doing, which are hugely popular at the moment. Yeah. And they do tell a friend about the GPS training podcast and GPS training as a whole. And if you can encourage them to subscribe and also yourself to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us, that is very much appreciated. If you can also leave us a five-star review and even a snazzy uh, review, that is also very much appreciated. Many thanks, Andy, for joining me on this month's GPS Training Podcast. And good luck for two weeks on Saturday. Yeah. Are you going down on the Friday, are you? No. Going yes. down on the Friday to pitch the tents up at the end. Okay. And I've got a kind friend and neighbour of mine who's going to take us to the start on the Saturday morning. We haven't got my start time yet, so we'll be starting Saturday morning. Fingers crossed if you're not watching me, I'll be finished sometime Monday evening, early evening. If so where are you staying the night before? Are you... Are you was actually staying at the end the night before. Okay, right. So we're staying at Hardrow, just north of Hawes, where the finish is. Okay. And then my kind neighbour is going to drive us down to the start early Saturday morning. Okay. And it just means the tents are pitched 
for the end. So whatever time me and my friend get there, you know, it might be different. We've got the tents there ready for the Monday night before we head home on the A lot of planning involved in this, isn't there? So so best of luck from all the listeners on the GPS Training Podcast. And I'll send them your link in the newsletter. Uh, It'll be the Friday newsletter before the event itself. And we'll all be able to dot watch you and uh, clap you from (laughs) far, Andy. Support, much appreciated. Yeah, I'll read it, I think. (laughs) So thanks, everybody, for listening to the latest GPS Training Podcast. If anything you help in the future, please do get into it. Thanks for listening to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Thank you.